We're not parents, but some of our best friends are. And we're here to share wisdom and observations from an unbiased, non-parental I'm James. I'm Thomas. We're two non-parents interested in the world of parenting. This, this is, is Dink. So Thomas, I was thinking a little bit about the, the environment in which I grew up. Uh, as you know, my parents are immigrants from Taiwan, and they moved here to this country without any of their siblings or relatives moving. So I was curious, how did you grow up? Uh, did you have aunts and uncles or cousins around? Did you have uh, family friends that served as kind of extended family? What was that like for you growing up? I did. So um, to simple answer yes. I had a lot of extended family around, probably less so than average, but still a lot more than average for the U.S. So less so than average mm. for, for Kenya or Uganda. Um, I, most of my extended family was in Uganda and we grew up in Kenya. So that was different, but mm. my parents were very, very involved in our local church. And that ended up being an entire kind of extended family connection. Every time I'd go back to Uganda, there were cousins on cousins on cousins. And the lines between nuclear secondary tertiary family that I think are very well defined, particularly in Western society, just don't exist as largely for us. So mm. I, what I mean by that is a very specific example. The distinction between my cousin, who's my cousin because they are the offspring of my parent's sibling, versus my cousin, who I would still call a cousin because they're the offspring of my parent's cousin, isn't all that different, mm. which like significantly balloons who's connected, right? Like beyond my nuclear family, it, it quickly becomes a clan. And I grew up with all of that around me all the time. Yeah. I'm curious why that came up for you, James. A lot of my friends who are parents now, they are living away from their families. Uh, and mm -hmm. I was talking to a friend about how uh, they were hoping for their parents to visit. It wasn't working out. And both a sense of loneliness of not having parents around or extended family around, as well as a sense of resilience mm. of that has been the case for their entire existence as parents, but also most of their life in general, not living with extended family around. And just contrasting that with what I thought the prototypical experience growing up as a child or being a parent being even though I actually do think it is a Western concept to raise children in a nuclear for form. And in certain ways, my parents living away from their parents, that might be more of a Western experience. I felt like growing up, I was constantly reminded of what could have been. And, and the idea of knowing that a lot of my cousins, a lot of my aunts and uncles live together in a really connected way in Taiwan. Uh, my mm. my mm. dad has two siblings. My mom has 11 siblings. So I knew of this very large wow. man <laughs> back in Taiwan uh, hanging out. Um, yeah, I was thinking about what were the ways that was still created for me in the U.S. Mm. Most holidays, I do remember going to large gatherings of 30, 40 folks. A lot of them were Asian American immigrants that were that had moved to Irvine, my hometown. And I was thinking about the ways that even though my parents didn't name them as this is your extended family in, in ways that I think certain cultures might be open to that and say like, hey, even though someone's not like your blood family, it still is an extended family, how that group of individuals did ultimately serve like an extended community. There was an expectation of seeing them. There's a certain like reliability that those are folks I'd see mm. on an ongoing basis. And I think that is something mm. that 
uh, one often associated with family. They were the folks who picked me up from school every other day. And I think now fast forward now, even though I think I grew up with a longing for a certain way for family to look like, I look back and think, I guess that was my extended family growing up. And yeah, I, uh, yeah. if I am allowed to tweak the narrative a bit, I'm like, oh, I guess that, that was that, that was it. Yeah, that was my experience. And I'm yeah. lessening my own judgment of the way I grew up because in a way they did provide a lot of the same support and diversity of experiences and perspectives and love. And yeah, yeah. I, I do think as a child, again, I had a slightly different narrative, but I look back with some appreciation now. Yeah. You know, that does remind me of a question um, that we got um, coming that came in recently around this idea of our chosen communities as we think about raising kids. Is I think at the core of what you're so beautifully calling out is the default idea of extended family and this kind of village that comes around parents as they raise their kids is kind of blood related or bloodline or or you know, biologically related. But for many of us, our chosen communities are just as, if not stronger um, today, especially for those of us who move away, uh, move away from home. I think that's what you're describing in the immigrant experience. Um, it's certainly, I think, the experience for lots of people who leave for college or, or move to new cities. Um, and it does then beg the question, well, then what does family, the idea of extended family look like in that world? And we had like a great question from Jen that I really think hones in on that. So let's hear from her for a second. Hi, Dink. Jen here. My question for you is, I recently read the book Hunter Gather Parent and learned that in many communities around the world, it is not just the mother or father raising the child, but often a network of adults, family and friends who live in the community. How do you two feel about being a member of this community of adults that helps raise the children of your parenting friends? And what are some commitments you're willing to make? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I love about Jen's question is I think it gets to the heart of what um, what can feel so different about familial ties versus all our other communities. And it's this idea of commitment or obligation, mm. right? Um, there's, you know, I love how you called out that here are people who picked you up from school, who you knew you could count on over the holidays, um, who you could, you know, who loved you. But I think that at least for many of us, those connections, while strong and real, feel ephemeral when they're not familial, mm. right? Like they don't, we don't, year to year, we don't really owe anyone anything. If I get a new job offer, I get to make that decision based off of what makes sense for, for me and maybe my nuclear family and move on. In a way that I think when we feel blood related, it doesn't, it, it feels more permanent. Um, mm. And I feel like I heard Jen go right to the core of that when she asked, well, what is the commitment that you're willing to make, right? Not so much like, oh, are you going to help me do pickup like once a week, et cetera? But like, what are the things that you're going to agree to walk in life with me on? And, um, and as I heard that, I was just so struck about how much that commitment is needed if you as a parent are going to plan on relying on someone. It's one, it's how different it is to get support versus to be able to rely and plan on support.
when I heard the question, I felt so welcomed in and challenged. Mm. And I think uh, mm. I, I heard two parts. Well, one was, I think, an invitation around what is the role you're willing to play. And I felt a sense of like creativity mm. around that. And then, like she said, towards mm. the word commitment. And I felt a little intimidated. But as you kind of described what that meant, it really softened. And it felt like I was both holding the weight of the word as well as reminded of how much the idea of commitment really can strengthen my relationship Mm -hmm. to Jen as a friend. And just the idea of like making commitments in general, like what that means as just being a, a... like a courageous human being is to declare things and say, yes, Mm. I will do this. I will aim to show up in this way. Uh, There's that, I'm now naming a sense of self-judgment because of all the ways I know that I've maybe let myself down, let others down. And yet that's so human Mm. too. And as I think about the idea of parenting, it continues to be this pretty intimidating idea. But I think it's maybe, again, showing up with courage in 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 the face of that, <laughs> even being a friend of a parent, yeah. showing up with courage in the face of that, like how that also like yeah. I feel a sense of like a rush of of courage and like energy when I think like yes I can make commitments and think about what are the commitments I can make. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you opened with like how you felt invited in, um, and I'll I'll say like I I I totally hear what you're saying on the courage piece, but I'm probably still just like really in that and kind of the gratitude and the honor and almost the awe you know somebody saying I have this really precious thing and I'd like you to play a part in it and my sense of I've not done anything to deserve that (laughs) and like you said I'm not I'm not perfect we both know I'm not perfect right so so this is this is not being offered to me because of my amazingness or even the and it's being offered to me with the knowledge that I am going to get some things wrong. But what a, uh, what a statement of care and love um, that, you know, Jen, and I think many of our friends are just willing to let us into this most precious part of their lives. I think in a previous um, podcast, I said that one of my hopes for this was that this would be a love letter to my friends. I honestly felt like Jen's question felt like a love letter back to me. It just, I just, and I just want to sit and like acknowledge that. I just felt incredibly honored that that would even be a question. Um, and then you're absolutely right. Immediately what follows from that for me is this like absolute fear where I'm like, am I, am I capable of mm-hmm. rising up to this incredible um, challenge? Which as I say that, I'm like, oh my gosh, how, how much harder must it be to sign up to be a parent? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm freaking out over like, what commitment are you going to make to like help us raise our kid and other people like need to make a commitment to like raise the kid like in 20 years so i just i think i got in that glimpse i was like you know bow down parents i continue to salute you for what you do um but then i also um i I, you, you then closed with this sense of excitement around the creativity of placing of placing that i think actually that's quite frankly a bit of the gift that we get as the non-parent. Mm-hmm. But I think I don't know if parents always have as much of that freedom that we, because they aren't really 
set expectations and because there is like a primary caregiver who is not us, we kind of get to sit back and plan and get creative on what are the ways that we want to contribute um, and care. I'm curious what comes up for you as you think about the ideas that excite you about the roles that you can play. In certain ways, I feel like this creative project with you, Thomas, is probably a constant reflection of that, right? It it Mm. is um, a way for us to allow us to ponder these questions at a philosophical level. But I, like, in a way, maybe this role that I'm yearning to play is to to be a thought partner or to show and, and even beyond the action of like, I just want to think these thoughts and share them. I want to be is someone who is willing to dive into their questions, their hard questions, their playful questions with empathy, with, mm. uh, with courage, with patience. Like, I think that's the type of role I'm, I'm yearning to play. I don't think I'm articulating until now, but that, mm. I think that's the role I want to play. I wonder if what, what that might be with their child as well. Someone who wants to be, mm. who aims to be a thoughtful friend, who wants to reflect with them. And to quote you in a previous podcast, in an age-appropriate way. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I know maybe perhaps we won't be having philosophical conversations with, uh, you know, Jen's uh, three-year-old in a couple of years. But still that, to, to bring that curiosity and wonder alongside her child when the child is wondering. And the thing mm. That child wonders about at age two and four yeah. and 10 and 20 and 50 might be different, but they will always be wondering. And then I guess that's one thing I'm excited to do is to wonder with them and be curious with them yeah. as they grow. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love that. I think for me, similarly, the first term that came um, to mind is like, I want to commit to bear witness. To just mm. watching the story unfold and and just being a presence that knows the story where we can kind of go back and laugh and cry about the journey that has been so far and hopefully lend a little bit of strength for the journey that comes up ahead. Um, I want to commit to seeing them as individuals separate from, even in addition to being parents mm. throughout the journey, like, like that they will, you know, that Jen and our friends, well, being a parent is going to be, is, for those who are already a huge part of their identity, but it isn't all of who they are. And she just promised to be a place where the rest of them can also be present. I also want to commit to celebrating with them just all the joyous milestones that are going to occur along this journey and like authentically mm. celebrate. Like I want, send, send me pictures, send me too many pictures of, of <laughs> your child's first walk, you know? Like I, I want my phone to be bombarded with pictures that like everybody else thinks are like ugly or don't make sense, but like make you really excited. I want to be excited with you on this like incredible journey of life that you're gonna take with this little one. Um, and I commit to, to celebrating your joy. And as your kids go up and start figuring out their own sense of what brings them joy, celebrating with them is 
separate individuals too. And then I think my last commitment is, and this is a harder one, is I want to commit to being my real messy self in this relationship with the limitations that that occurs, with the ways that I'm not always going to be able to show up the way I want to show up. I want to commit to not pretending I'm more or can do more or be more than I am. And hopefully in that way, modeling in some way that it's okay to not be okay. Those are just such beautiful commitments, Thomas. Um, they, they feel so earnest. They feel courageous and they feel so loving. It, uh, this conversation also reminded me of a very fond memory, uh, um, mm. a memory that we have created together, which is these words feel like words I hear in a marriage ceremony. <laughs> and as, you, <laughs> as maybe some of our listeners know, Thomas and I, beyond podcast hosts, we're also co-officiates of weddings, so if anyone's out there curious about, uh, if you want any, whether you want a wedding officiant or other services, we are also co-officiates. But I think a lot about how rare it is to declare commitment, and as you said mm. them out loud, there's just this power to it. But I also know from knowing you and just knowing enough about this journey we call life that commitments are constantly renewed. And I'm, I'm actually thinking back mm. about the fear I felt when I heard that word commitment and realizing a commitment is also a process. The commitments we make to ourselves, the commitments we make to our friends, the, makes, mm. the commitments we're making now to our friends' children, they can and should be renewed. And I think that is something beautiful about, like, I think a, a real commitment is you are trying to balance, like, this is the best I know about the future. And there's trust in mm. the depth and the longevity of the relationship that we know we can revise them if needed. Uh, yeah, and then I'm also thinking a bit about how also Jen's question and a lot of the, the conversations I've been having with my parenting friends, like how sometimes big changes are an excuse to have these hard or long overdue conversations about how we want a relationship to be. What are the commitments we're making mm. again to each other as friends, ourselves to our parenting friends? What is this question asking about? Mm. What are the commitments we're making to this new person in their life? And how the initial conversation always feels a little bit scary, but it feels just so much more life-giving because one, we're making things, we're communicating, we're making things explicit, but we're doing this courageous thing mm. together, which is talking about commitment and, and how beautiful that is. Yeah. Yeah, kind of as we close, I love that you bring up um, uh, or, or the analogy of, of a marriage ceremony, which I think is a place where, where commitments are traditionally made. Um, but what's coming to me is like commitments are, I think, at their best reciprocal, right? Like there's, mm-hmm. hey, here's what I'm committing to do to you and here's what I'm asking from you. And so to kind of put you on the spot a little bit, James, like what would be the commitment you would want to ask of Jen and our other parenting friends in order to feel like you are being supported to fulfill the commitments you wanted to make? Thank you for that question, Thomas. I guess one commitment I'd ask is a commitment to 
keeps me in their lives. And I feel almost a little mm. silly saying that, but I do think that is also a, it's a question I say where I both know, I both feel confident about the answer, but I also know mm. I am asking for my needs by saying it out loud. So mm. I, I, I guess I both ask for and trust that my friends who are parents keep me in their lives in ways that feel important and authentic as their family continues to grow. Mm. I guess another commitment um, I ask for is to continue to model honesty about this journey. Mm. I know that when there's maybe a lot of pressure or once I know a theme we've gotten back to is like the pressure I've observed or I think society puts on parents in parenting a certain way. And I hope for a continued conversation. And I, I think part of that is a hope that people continue to be, to, to, to model. I guess the ways they've already modeled in their, their relationship with me continue to model that sense of vulnerability and openness in the ways they parent as well. Because I, I just think that is such like a foundation of good parenting, but also like good, uh, uh, like a strong friendship. So yeah, I think that's another thing I ask for in terms of a commitment. Yeah, that was, that was so beautifully said. I, I, I agree. And I think I'm saying the same thing, but just in like slightly different um, words. When, like, I think my first commitment is just for vulnerability. I, mm. I, want to, I want to hear what's good and I want to hear what's hard mm. and everything in between. Um, and not just for your sake, but for mine. Um, I, I yearn for that vulnerability as a way for us to maintain connection. Mm. Um, mm. And especially as somebody who has so little kind of true um like I, I have such a limited view into what that parenting experience is like today when you kind of let me into the good bad and ugly I kind of feel connected in a way that I, I typically cannot and so I like yearn for that um and you know I I um and I think the second thing is, it, and it relates back to your very, very wise um, reminder about the fact that like commitments in relationship are actually remade, re-given or renegotiated as we go through. And I think that would be the thing, like the commitment for us to continue to renegotiate these commitments as like mm -hmm. life changes um, so that we make sure that they, to the best that we both can, are always things that um encourage us and things that like give increased freedom and trust because we can rely on each other not things that become burdens and weight mm. and like limitations on where we go and i think the only way that we like ensure the former and avoid the latter is by coming back to them and being willing to hold them close but also hold them loosely thanks so much for listening to dink if you enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend if you're interested in having a question answered on an episode, send a recording to dinkpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thanks to our friends and supporters for being so open with sharing your stories, joys, and struggles on the journey of parenthood. And thank you to our listeners as well for the gift of your time. We, we love, love you all. all.